Hey, Crime Salad listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad. I'm Ashley. And I'm Ricky. And I may sound a little bit different this episode because I have a little bit of a cold, but I am starting to feel better because I'm taking Dayquil and cough drops. So just bear with me this week. So this week, we will be talking about a recent case about a woman who is 33 years old. Her name is Jamie Ray Fedden. She was a very sweet and trusting person who lived in our neck of the woods, actually, close to Pittsburgh. The town was called Bethel Park, PA. She was driven 2,200 miles from Pennsylvania to Las Vegas, Nevada, about a 32-hour drive straight through, where she was murdered. And to this day, her family and friends are still trying to wrap their minds around what actually happened. So we came across Jamie's Facebook, and it showed that she studied for an associate's degree, was working full-time at a care home, and did have plans of becoming a medical assistant. And she was living with a disability called Vader Syndrome, which impacted her overall growth. Her height was measured at 4'1", and she weighed 75 pounds. So she was small in size, but still, she was a happy woman and never let anything limit her or define who she was. And we also came across an interview with a news station called KDKA. It's our local Pittsburgh Channel News. This was recorded four years prior to her disappearance as she talked about her discrimination due to her size. And really, I take it as awareness. It would be annoying to always be pointed out or talked about, but really, not many people know of this disability. So in this interview, she explained that one time she was walking down the street and someone came up to her asking her where her parents were. And on another occasion, she was refused entry at a casino where she forgot her ID and the employee did not believe her age. So absolutely, this would be frustrating. Although we're assuming here that most people weren't aware that she had this disability or maybe was unsure of what it was. So we looked up what is Vader syndrome because again, we're not really sure of what this disability is. And we found that it's a collection of birth defects of the body. And the letters in Vader, V-A-T-E-R, stand for the areas of the body that are affected by this syndrome. They are vertebrae, anus, trachea, esophagus, and renal. To be diagnosed with Vader, a person must have birth defects in three of these five areas. So that being said, there's no real one picture of what someone may look like, and treatments for someone with this disability may always be different. And even though she was living with this, she was able to still do normal things. But some believe whoever murdered her took advantage of her disability. So now that we know a little bit about Jamie and pretty much the way her life was, she soon would meet a guy named John Chapman and they started dating. She was excited about this relationship, but what she didn't know at the time is that John was an extreme manipulator and a liar. 
And according to his Facebook page, he was employed by ADT Security as an installation technician, where he would be installing electronic security, fire protection, and other alarm monitoring services in North America for small residential and large businesses. And we also read that he was previously employed by the U.S. Navy. He was also living in Pittsburgh, just minutes away from where Jamie was living. They actually met at a special needs school, and John had a lot of friends, a lot of friends who were women. So he seems like your average Joe. And I mean, if you were single, he kind of seems like a catch, I guess, you know, a dateable person. He has a secure job. I mean, he looks fairly normal, but I mean, knowing what we know about John now, it's kind of weird that he was an installation technician. I mean, he could just go into people's houses, look around, set up security. It's all kind of weird to me. And another thing listed on his Facebook page is a bio that reads, I'm a 39-year-old single guy from Pennsylvania. I've lived here most of my life. I'm always trying to meet new and interesting people. So this guy says he's single on his Facebook page, but he's actually a married man. And you know how you can connect with people and kind of list them as your mother, father, cousin, sister, whatever? He had his wife listed as his sister. And what's even more weird about that was on one of her posts, his wife, he posted, looking good, sis, which she replied, thanks. Which maybe she thought like, oh, funny joke, like, you know, he's just being weird or something. But no, he was actually putting her into his little game playing off on the idea that she was in fact his sister and not his wife. It's also kind of weird that the wife didn't notice this, especially being listed as the sister and also being listed as single. So I don't know, that was something that was kind of weird. But it does make sense in terms of Jamie because that would explain why they both have the last name. And as far as his family went, they knew of Jamie, but they just assumed that they were good friends, being that he was happily married for a year with Maureen. But Jamie was in love, like in love, in love. Her family knew about John and they had their opinions. So what's interesting here is there's posts on Facebook between how she felt about John, but also how her family felt about John. And those two opinions were very different. And as far as her family went, they just believed John wasn't good for her, and they actually accused him of cheating. One of Jamie's relatives actually found him pretty active on a dating site. So this kind of shows that, you know, Jamie probably wasn't the only one he was talking to. But when it came to Jamie, she kind of blocked out all the noise from her family and, you know, didn't really take their advice. I mean, he probably convinced her and manipulated her really to get her to do whatever he wanted. And honestly, her family was right because this guy was just awful. So John actually had an ex-wife before his wife, Maureen, and her name was Kelly Murray. The two met on MySpace. The two were married for seven years prior to their divorce. And she actually had some interesting information about John. She did an interview with KDKA. She explains that John was extremely manipulative and he was a liar. You know, this is something that we kind of already know just from the story. But to hear it from her, that kind of, you know, really locks it in. And she pointed out that he lied to her saying that he worked for the government, the FBI, the CIA, and he was in the Navy. 
but she doesn't believe that any of it was true. And while they were married, she suspected him of cheating, and she found multiple Ziploc baggies with female underwear in them. And they were all neatly labeled, which is kind of creepy and just a little bit weird, but I think this really starts to paint a picture of who this guy was. He also conned her into giving him almost every penny that she owned, and she was just constantly handing money over to him. But she eventually left him when he was sent off to prison for stealing $100,000 using a debit card copier, and he was also using stolen identities. So clearly this guy is a problem, and more of a problem than anyone probably knew. She even went on to explain that he would go and fabricate their taxes to say that his wife was this high-powered lawyer. And when the IRS questioned this, she explained that she didn't even go to law school, so none of that was true. Before Kelly and John got a divorce, the two actually stayed with Jamie, but Kelly was told to pretend to be his sister when they were with Jamie. So this was all some type of sneaky trick that he used before similar to listing his current wife as a sister on his Facebook page. So it's kind of weird, and it all kind of starts to come back full circle. And what's kind of funny here is I don't even think the guy had a real sister. He just always used this as an excuse. It's kind of funny, but it's also creepy and manipulative. BuzzFeed went on to do an interview with a friend of Jamie's and gave some insight to the relationship that Jamie and John had. She explained that the two dated on and off, and their relationship was going on for about 10 years. 10 years, that's such a long time. And this particular friend seemed to have known Jamie very well. Well, well enough to know how she was treated in their relationship. She explained that they did argue from time to time, and Jamie's family and her friends definitely did not approve of them dating. There was just something about him. And what is really telling is she remembers of a time a few years ago when they both went to a local bar and Jamie showed up with two black eyes and the owner of the bar actually chased John down the street. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online service that I personally use for my mental health. They provide a number of professional licensed counselors who specialize in all situations that may be interfering with your happiness. It's seriously my personal outlet to get my mind right. It's affordable. It's so convenient. I decided to give BetterHelp a shot when I was going through a very anxious part of my life. So I just signed up and I was matched with an amazing counselor who was so willing to talk with me right away. We actually set up a video chat later in the week to catch up. We are all so busy. Give yourself the care that you need today. Start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash crime salad. But John kept his distance from Jamie's friends and her family after this. And this, again, was all information coming from her own friend that BuzzFeed had the chance to interview. She even mentioned text messages that she would receive from Jamie that are now really chilling realizations and probably weren't even her texting. Now, according to a few different media stations, there was a Facebook post that was supposedly written by Jamie and 
We say supposedly because, well, the message was posted the day her family reported her missing, which led investigators to believe that this might not have been her at all. This was most likely John posting as her. And we weren't able to find this actual post on Facebook. We're assuming that it was deleted or taken down by the family. But according to BuzzFeed, the post read that she hated her entire family and they need to stay out of her life. And the reason they called the cops was because she wouldn't jump to their wishes. And what's weird is this was posted on the day that her family did in fact call the cops to report her missing. So this could easily just be John, you know, making an attempt to throw off the family and the police. That way they'll stop looking for her and really just assume that she's keeping her distance from them because she's mad at them. And honestly, I think it was played off pretty well because if you actually, and I've only seen screenshots, but if you actually look at some of the replies, it was a lot of her friends and family messaging her being like, your family only cares about you. That's why they're doing this. Like, you know, really trying to open her eyes up to everything. You know, I really think it was believable. And honestly, it's a post on Facebook. So why would we not think it's real? I think it's only in hindsight that we really can look back on this and honestly just be like, wow. Now, manipulation is a key role in all of his relationships, and he plans to go on a trip driving across the U.S. to Las Vegas. And we know he has this all planned out because, well, he has all of his excuses lined up for anyone to question him. So he's going to Las Vegas for a work trip. And I don't know why an ADT security installer would need to travel that far. And and we don't even know if that's his real job. Because at this point, everything he said has been a lie. So he borrows his wife's truck around September 18th. And he said he was stopping in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania to visit his family, his aunt and uncle, and then would be driving from there to Nevada for a business trip. But what he actually does here is picks up Jamie at Bethel Park and drives her to Nevada under the impression of doing a bondage-styled photo shoot in the desert, which to drive that far to do a photo shoot is beyond me. So he drove her 32 hours to a desert location, and whether or not this was a part of his bondage fetish, he bound her using zip ties binding her hands together and her feet together and binding her to a post as he gagged her using duct tape, wrapping it around her nose and her mouth. She was unable to move and unable to breathe, suffocating her. And once she was dead, he removed the tape and the ties, cut off her clothing and left her naked body by the sign in the desert. And John heartlessly drove back to Pennsylvania. About 10 days after her death, Jamie's body was stumbled upon by an eight-year-old boy, his brother, and their father as they were on a road trip. They were driving in the middle of nowhere and pulled along the road to take a break to stretch their legs. So they pulled over in a desolate area and about 25 yards away from the road, they saw something in the distance. The dad directed the kids to go back to the car as he went to go check it out, and what he discovered was horrific. He explained that the body was dumped like a piece of trash, and he called 911 right away. 
So they just found this body in the middle of the desert. They didn't have a name or any clues to who it may be. And there was no report that Jamie was actually missing at this time. It wouldn't be for another five weeks. Things were actually being thrown off by Jamie's disappearance because messages were coming from her Facebook account to a few relatives and friends. So everyone assumed it was her at first until things started getting more suspicious. Suspicious of the fact that these messages that they were receiving were messages Jamie would not normally send. A friend of hers was also getting messages that seemed just unlike Jamie. And on Thursday, the 14th of November, she called the police requesting a welfare check. So the police went to Jamie's house and they found her phone on the kitchen counter, rolls of duct tape and zip ties in a backpack on the second floor of the house, but no Jamie. Nearby neighbors of Jamie's were interviewed and they said they haven't seen her in a while, but they have seen her boyfriend, John. So this has me wondering, was he at her house after he drove her to Vegas? For whatever reason, maybe to plant evidence? And it was later found out that John had been masking his phone number and communicating as Jamie. What a sick individual to do this after all he's done to Jamie. But they didn't find this out right away, that it was actually John, but I'm sure they had their suspicions. As soon as they found out after the welfare check that Jamie wasn't at home, everything was left at her house, Jamie's family filed a missing persons report. And they automatically believed that John had something to do with this. So John was questioned by the police, and according to Oxygen, he allegedly confessed to killing Jamie. He explained that he drove her to the desert in Nevada, tied her to a signpost, and suffocated her by wrapping duct tape around her face. He was arrested after his confession in connection with Jamie's disappearance, but he was only charged with kidnapping, and the truck that he used to drive him and Jamie is now being used as evidence. So as they took another look at this body that they found weeks before his confession, it was found in the desert, and it seemed to match Jamie's body. There were tattoos matching her family members' names, and the body had the same effects of Vader syndrome that Jamie had, so it was looking like a perfect match. And so the body was finally and formally identified on November 21st, 2019 through dental records. Now you may be wondering about John's wife, Maureen. If you remember, she had no clue he was living this double life. She was told he was going to Las Vegas for a business trip, but she soon found out the truth the day he was arrested. He calls her, telling her that he's in prison. He tells her, I killed her because I had to. So what does that mean he had to kill her? Was there something she knew that he didn't want her to tell anyone? Whatever his reasoning is, he deserves to be locked up. John appeared in court on the 19th of November. He is being represented by a public defender who argued he should not be in prison while he waits for his preliminary hearing, but this was denied by the judge. His preliminary hearing was supposed to be on the 21st of November, but it was changed to December 5th. He is being held in the Allegheny County Jail with no bail. And since Jamie's body had just recently been formally identified, 
There are plans for the Nevada police to go to Pennsylvania to meet with law enforcement there. And if he's charged with murder in Nevada, he will be extracted, which police will go to Pennsylvania and conduct any interviews as needed, gather evidence, then go back to Nevada to present the evidence to the DA who will proceed with charges if warranted. There's a few law enforcement officers that say that they wouldn't be surprised if there were other women that he swindled or seriously hurt. And as of right now, this case is still developing. And keep Jamie and her family in your thoughts as they grieve through this really hard time. But for now, this concludes this week's episode. Be sure to check out pictures of this case on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com. And we would also like to credit our sources. We'll have the full list on our website. And as always, you're invited to join us on our Crime Salad Facebook discussion group, where you can post links to cases you think are interesting or share anything crime related and meet other true crime salad investigators just like yourself and feel free to invite a friend. If you would like to help support Crime Salad, follow us on Himalaya and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening to us now to help other listeners find us. This really helps us move forward in the charts so other listeners can get their hands on Crime Salad. Remember to follow us on Instagram and be sure to tell a friend about Crime Salad. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast delivering a healthy portion of crime. Crime Salad is a weird salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. All the blood, love, all the pain. 